How is it going, ladies and gentlemen of Review and Preview? We are back once again with another episode of our hockey podcast, Hucking Around. As always, I'm Noah Dog Dabbler, the resident Penguins fan of the show, uh, along with my good buddy and co-host, Gar Charger Patrick, sporting the Tampa Bay Lightning hat, as always. How are you doing tonight, my friend? Oh, I'm fired up, man. Hearing that goal horn really uh, put me over the top here tonight. A lot of good hockey-related news to talk about tonight. Uh, especially in regards to my Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, so I am even more fired up than normal to be on here tonight and talk some hockey. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a good week for those Lightning. They're moving on up in the Atlantic Division, uh, closing down the Toronto Maple Leafs for second in the Atlantic. Obviously, the Bruins are still uh, absolutely ridiculous so far this season. But we'll get into the, the Lightning a little bit later when we talk about Steven Stamkos' 1,000th career point, which, funny enough, uh, happened when Garth and I were doing our other podcast about college football last Thursday, but we'll get into that later. Uh, we're going to talk about the Seattle Kraken today, the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, we're also going to have a short segment on Chris Tang and the news around him, and then we will close out with our teams of the week. Uh, our good buddy Ray, who's become kind of a regular here on the show lately, says no more technical issues. Uh, Gar saying bolt up, obviously, and Ray saying the Leafs have made quite a turnaround. Yeah, they got off to a really they slow have. start. But uh, they're doing well now. Matt Murray and goal and Mitch Marner on that epic uh, franchise record point streak. Yeah, Matt Murray's been really good, which has been a bit surprising. Bit surprised. I don't know what the hell that was. I had like an ad play in another page, but a uh, bit surprising. But um, I'm happy to see him doing well, for sure. Uh, but we're going to get right into it, Garth. We're going to first talk about the... Seattle Kraken, who we have not really talked about so far, but honestly, great start for them. 15-6-3 record to start the year. They find themselves at second place in the Pacific Division, uh, and they are three points ahead of the Kings, who are in third place. But the key thing uh, for the Kraken, Garth, is that they actually have three games in hand. So they're not just, like, barely ahead. They're in a very good position right now. Uh, they're only behind the Golden Knights, obviously, have gotten off to a phenomenal start, 39 points in 27 games. Um, but like it's you know, like I said, uh, the Kraken 33 and 24 games played. The Kings have 30 and 27, and then behind them the Oilers have 28 and 26. The Flames 27, 25, and then the Canucks, Sharks, and Ducks are all below 500 in the Pacific. Um, be interested to see if the Canucks kind of, kind of turn around because I think most people had them as kind of a wild card contender. But Garth, uh, specifically with the Kraken, very young team, a team that. Not a lot of people had high expectations for. They were really bad last year, easily one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, but great start for them so far, and obviously major reason for that is our guy, Matty Beniers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I got some notes here because I didn't want to forget some of my key points with the Seattle Kraken. Um, you know, I think this is a team that absolutely nobody predicted to do well this year. I think a lot of people probably thought that they had some good young pieces and veneers. Uh, they were able to snag Shane Wright in the NHL draft this past uh, most recent one because he fell right into their laps. Um, and other than that, just, you know, kind of like some veteran role players, they did go out and get uh, Burakovsky in free agency. That was a good addition. Uh, but really that the top line is really powering the way. Now, as you said, Matty Beneers is absolutely running away with the Calder Trophy race, in my opinion. Um, he's got, uh, let's see, where'd this go? Uh, 10 goals, 11 assists, and 21 points in 24 games played. That's absolutely phenomenal for his first full NHL season, especially 
when he doesn't have some of the talent around him that a lot of other rosters do. And then Burakovsky and his other line mate, Jordan, Jordan Eberle, is, you know, they've been fantastic, really powering that offense. Uh, but one guy that, that stuck out to me, Noah, and got a lot of praise when I was kind of doing my homework on this one is uh, 32-year-old NHL veteran Martin Jones there in goal. He's been, I wouldn't say absolutely elite, but he's definitely been much better than people had expected. Uh, you know, I read that a lot of people were thinking that Grubauer would be the one there in net to have a fantastic season for them. They had really high expectations. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. that hasn't panned out, but Jones has stepped up to the plate. Uh, 12 and 4 record, 2.9 goals against average, 8 point, sorry, 0.893 save percentage and one shutout. Definitely overachieving for them. And if they're going to continue it, this season, he is going to need to keep up that pace that he's been on. Uh, fun fact, he is just below it, but he has not posted a 0.9 save percentage or higher since the 2017-2018 season. Good old Mike Aldridge coming in saying, bolt up. What's up, Mike? Mike is another big lightning fan and a very good friend of ours. I've actually known him for many years now at this point. Racing, how sustainable is their success? Are they too young? Well, that's always the question with the Kraken because they're a very young team. And, you know, we, we see a team, for example, like the Ducks last year, Garth. Very young team. Got off to a great start also in the Pacific Division. But then the second half of the season, you could kind of tell that they were a really young team. They went on a major losing streak. And in the end, they weren't really even close to the playoffs. I think that's the question with the crack, and can they keep it up? Now, one thing I think really works in their advantage, uh, the Pacific Division is not great this year. Uh, definitely looks like it's basically Vegas um, and then everyone else. So th- their spot's up for grabs here. I would not count on a wild card spot coming from this division, however, because the Central, I mean, look, when the Abs are fourth in the Central, and we all know what the Abs can do, we'll talk about them a little bit later. Um, I generally think you could have five playoff teams from the central. So you're probably going to have to get a divisional spot if you're the Kraken. Uh, the Kings, I still like the Kings. I picked them to make the playoffs. Uh, there's another team that's pretty young, but their problem is they can't defend at all. <laughs> Jonathan Quick, uh, the past week guard, uh, goals against the average above five and a save percentage of like, I don't <laughs> even remember what it was. Poor, poor old dog is out there being left to dry apparently, but um They'll need to get that sort if they want to do anything. Obviously, I think unless something major crazy happens, it looks like Vegas is way better than everyone thought they'd be. They're running away with it right now. And then teams like the Flames and Oilers, you still can't count them out. Those those are teams, especially the Oilers, that still have superstar talent. The Flames, you know, they brought Huberto in. He's still kind of finding his footing. So it's tough to say right now. But uh, let's get into some specifics. You mentioned the goaltending situation, Eric Garth. Um, unfortunately for them, Chris Drager, who was the, you know, he, he wasn't really their consensus starter, but he did play a decent amount for him last year. Uh, Tours ACL in June at the I, IIHF World Championship, um, so they had a bit of uncertainty in goal. You know, they brought in Martin Jones uh, to go along with Grubauer, who was already there. Uh, it's been a bit of mixed bag in results, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, Jonas Donskoy also on IR, but some statistics. Since you guys always know, we love to go through the statistics. Um, a couple things that I've notice right away Garth that are really unsustainable number one power play percentage at 26 percent is ridiculous I think that'll kind of level off towards the end or as they go along further in the season another thing Garth their penalty kill percentage 66.7 percent uh 26 power play goals a lot on 78 uh peak power plays against is not a good ratio at all they're gonna have to get that sorted out if they want to continue doing well the rest of the season I will say 
Their five-on-five five analytics re- look really good. Their Corsi is above 50%, which means they control the puck more than the other team. Uh, their expected goals for is about 12 higher than expected goals against. Um, for the actual stats, they're 10th in goals for and 12th in goals against. So, you know, as you'd expect, they're, they're having a good start. The most important thing, Garth, is their five-on-five five is good, which is the most important. It's great to have a killer power, a power player or whatever or a shutdown pillin to kill. But if you can't do five-on-five, five, we saw it with the Rangers last year. Eventually, it caught up to them. Um, but individual-wise, like you said, Burkowski, they got from the abs in the offseason. Uh, he's point per game, 25 points in 24 games, uh, nine goals. He is a minus four, so maybe that line is struggling a bit defensively. We'll have to see as the season kind of continues on. Uh, we still have to remember, Garth, we're barely – we're not even a third of the way through the season yet. So a lot of stuff will kind of level out or shift dramatically as we go along. Every, like you said, is almost point per game as well, 22 points in 24 games. And Matty Beniers, Garth, uh, like you you mentioned the stats over 21 points in 24 games, a guy that's only 20 years old. Um, he was both our picks for the Calder, if I remember right. And like you said, the, the way he's playing like right now, it's uh, not even going to be close. The only thing I would point out with Beniers as a little bit of a negative is he is a center and he's winning 44% of his faceoffs. Now, that's not an end-all, be-all. Because, you know, we saw it last year, the, the final four teams in the playoffs didn't have good face-off percentages. But it would be nice, at least, if he could improve that a little bit as he continues to develop and progress in his career. Um, I really like he's a guy that throws the body a decent amount, 27 hits in 24 games, 17 blocked shots. Um, it's not like he's a power forward or anything, but he does have a bit of a physical edge to him because he is 6'2". He's not some midget or anything like that. They're getting solid depth scoring as well. On the defensive side as well, Vince Dunn has been great, 16 points and a plus eight. Uh, Justin Schultz as well, kind of the same thing, 16 points and a plus five. So it's not just one guy carrying the load for the crack, and they do have secondary goal scoring. But the another main question I have with them is the goaltending situation. Now, you mentioned Martin Jones. Uh, Martin Jones was on the San Jose Sharks a very long time. He had a really good start there. And then the longer he was there, it just seemed like he continued to decline and decline until the Sharks just couldn't take it anymore and dumped him pretty much. And like you said, if he hasn't had an above 900 save percentage since like 2017, that shows you he has really struggled. He has an 893 save percentage this year, which isn't great. 2.90 goals against average. Like you said, Garth, for whatever reason, when he plays, uh, they win a lot of games. Rubauer, he looks like he's been shifted to the backup role when – when he was taking the expansion draft, most people predicted he'd be their consensus undisputed starter. And um, kind of the same thing, 868 save percentage, 3.40 goals against average. So they need to get their penalty kill sorted out. I'm not too sure how much faith I'd have in their goaltending situation, but they do have a lot of young talent. They have a bit of depth scoring. It's not just like, oh, Matty Beniers is going off, and then after that, it's, it's a major fall. They do have other guys that are kind of stepping up a bit. But, you know, the thing is, what are they going to do when they go on maybe a two- or three-game losing streak? And then teams like the Oars or Flames go on a decent run. We've never seen the Kraken play with pressure before. So, you know, it's one thing to get off a good start. It's more important. Can they contain that as, you know, they head into January, February, <laughs> stuff like that? Ray's saying, if they need a goalie, I'd be happy to send them Blackwood. I, I know you would. I remember you do not uh, like <laughs> Mackenzie Blackwood there. Like one injured goalie for another. That's true. As a Devils fan, I know exactly where this team is. Division isn't as tough as the Metro, but they are going to encounter growing pains. I agree. Our buddy Mike DeSantis saying, let's go Rangers. Up, Mike? Yeah, 
The Rangers got a solid comeback win against the Blues last night, uh, six four. So that's good for them. Our buddy Josh McMurray is in here. Uh, glad to see that. Fired up as ever. <laughs> and Hank and Dictor coming in as well, saying, "How's it going, my guys? What's Not up, bad. Hank? Hank was at the Rangers game last night, so it's got it's a good thing that, that they didn't lose when he was there. But um, moving on, Garth, to our next segment about a team that. First of all, they're defending Stanley Cup champions. Let's get that right out of the way. But a team that was projected by most, and both of us, obviously, to win the President's Trophy, probably repeat as Stanley Cup champions. Uh, but they've actually gotten off to a little bit of a surprisingly slow start, I'd say. The Colorado Avalanche have a 13-9-1 record, which is good for only fourth in the Central. Now, you know, like it says there, this isn't a terrible start. They're not like 10 games below 500 or anything like that. It's still a, a respectable playoff worthy record but for a team that i think is the most talented in the league and honestly i don't even know if it's close uh to be four from the president or the four from the central excuse me when they were a president's trophy and a stanley cup favorite as well has been a little bit surprising i will say that the um central division first of all the stars i mean they have been absolutely ridiculous we were talking about a little bit before we went live here garth but the fact that the stars are 33 are eight games above 500 already uh, is phenomenal. They were kind of a, seen as a fringe playoff team, so to be first in division is ridiculous. And the Jets. Uh, the Jets were a team I think a lot of people looked past, uh, myself included. I'm not going to you know exclude myself from that. I did not have them in the playoffs. So the fact they're 15-7-1 and one, and a comfortable second in the Central with two games in hand on the star, could Stars could potentially pass them if they win those. That's great for them. Obviously, the Wild kind of third in the Central. That's kind of around what people expected for them. Then you have the Avalanche, obviously. The Predators are one point behind them, and after that, there's a little bit of a fall off to the Blues and like the, the poor Coyotes and Blackhawks fans, man. They just uh, – it's rough for them. But um, very competitive division, Garth, when I think a lot of people weren't really expecting that. So what have been your main takeaways so far from what you've seen from the Avs? Yeah, so when I kind of took a deep dive into this to talk about this here tonight on the show, um, I don't think that there's really one single – thing that really jumps out at you that you go oh wow okay this makes sense that this is why mm -hmm. this team is not really playing up to expectations this season I personally was thinking maybe they were having struggles in goal and then when I went and looked at the goaltending stats both of their goaltenders are above a uh, 0.9 save percentage goals against average was like in the two to just under three range so goaltending by no means has been awful uh, really the only one thing that did jump out at me and they actually talked about it just the other day, they were asked by the media, um, injuries, man, the, the injury bug, much like my Los Angeles chargers has absolutely wrecked this team so far this season. Uh, it's like every time they get somebody healthy, it looks like they're starting to gain momentum, which I think mm -hmm. that's a key thing too, in sports momentum in general. Uh, this team really hasn't been able to string together wins, gain momentum, uh, and I think that the injuries is a large part of it. Guys like Lykanen, day-to-day, minor injuries. Uh, Bowen Byram on IR, Josh Manson on IR, Nechuskin on IR, Landeskog on IR. Uh, Rodriguez is uh, kind of day-to-day now. He was out for a few weeks. He's getting close to returning. Um, and these are This isn't like these are depth guys. These are key mm -hmm. guys who contribute either in terms of scoring there, the forward group, or – like key defensemen. And I know, uh, I know McKinnon actually just had to leave the game. I believe last night or the night before with the upper body injury, uh, yep. took a puck directly to his wrist. 
he's day to day. So it's just like every time they blink, every time they hop on the ice, a key player for them is getting injured. Um, and I just think that, you know, it's not the end all be all teams got to play through injuries next man up. And they even mentioned that themselves. It's just like every time they're trying to get things going in the right direction, something is like, you know, knocks them back and they just can't get out of their own way. Yeah. And I, you know, I think you and Roy kind of hit it on the head there. They've had some serious injury problems. You kind of, you mentioned most of the guys, obviously Landis Gog, uh, they're waiting for him to come back in January, but that's their captain. That's one of their top forwards. I do not have him as a big loss for them. Also, uh, they lost Padre in the off season. Yep. They know, lost I totally to forgot players. about that. That's a big player to lose. Yeah, a guy I don't root for by any means, but you know, he's a good player nonetheless. Yeah, no, it was a really good great season last year, and obviously a big reason they won the Stanley Cup. Obviously, they lost um, uh, Burakovsky as well, who went to the yep. Kraken. But Nakushkin, uh, Garth, he had 12 points in seven games before he got hurt. He was killing it. They were off to a great start with him, and then he got hurt as well. Now, he has returned to skating, and it looks like he's going to come back soon, so that would be a big boost for them. But Bowen Byram was great as well, another really young defenseman. Um, he had five points in 10 games and a plus three. Considering he's only 21 years old, he's looked really good so far as well. So he's week to week. They need to get him back. Um, McDermott's another defenseman on their core, as well as Josh Manson. These guys are out for multiple weeks as well. Evan Rodriguez, former Pittsburgh Penguin, by the way, is also out for the next two to four weeks with a lower body injury. Lekkinen as well. And obviously McKinnon, like you just said, exited the game last night. So they are banged up to high hell. It's not like they don't have an excuse, but like you said, Everyone deals with injuries. Uh, next man up, I just think they've been a little bit too unfortunate with it so far. Definitely one of the most banged-up teams I've seen. 11 injuries on their injury report is a bit ridiculous. But some more specific points about the Avs. Um, first of all, power play at 31.7%. That's incredible. Um, wouldn't expect it to drop a whole lot because it is the Avalanche, and look, they, they can score at will with pretty much anybody. Um but 31 is still a little bit high. It'll probably drop to, I'd say, around mid-20s would be about what I'd expect from the Colorado Avalanche power play once everyone gets back and healthy and firing. Penalty kill at 75% isn't great, so they need to get that sorted out as well. And their analytics. Um, expected goals for is 47.1. Expected goals against is 47.9. So they are doing a decent job at keeping the puck out of the net. Their goals against Garth is fourth in the league. Problem is they can't score. 78 goals for is good for 17th in the NHL, just kind of middle of the pack. Um, individual player-wise, Garth, I mean, the top guys are still getting done, Garth. Nathan McKinnon, 34 points in 23 games, 26 assists. So it's one thing to be point per game, but when you're assist per game, that's phenomenal. He's also a plus seven as well. Rantanen, 15 goals in 23 games, so he's on pace for maybe a 50-goal season. He also has 32 points and a plus three. McCarr. We all know what he is. Point per game as a defenseman is ridiculous. And then other guys like Lekkanen, Tea, Devin Tays, JT Comfer have been serviceable as well. And once they get Nakushkin back, I think that will help them as well. But one thing, Garth, that is really surprising with the abs so far, and you know, hopefully our Rangers fans are still here but because I want their thoughts on this, Alex Georgiev in net has been ridiculous for them, Garth. 920 save percentage and a 2.68 goals against average uh, is very good for a guy that has been a backup the past few years, but he's getting it done so far. He's only had one ter really bad start, which is in the stats is qualified as a game where he has a save percentage less than 85%. So he's been very consistent so far. 
and his goals saved above average at 8.2 is very high as well. He's, you know, saving them a lot of goals so far. He's been one of the best goalies in the NHL so far, which for a guy that's been a backup for a while has been very surprising. Uh, Francois, even when he comes in as a backup, he has a two and five record, but 907 save percentage for backup is nothing to sneeze at as well. So, you know, what are your thoughts on Georgiev so far? Because this is definitely not something I expected. Now, I will say, you know, maybe because we've seen with guys like Grubauer and uh, Darcy Kemper last year that, you know, these guys do great for the abs and then they go somewhere else where they're expected to carry the load. And it's a lot harder for them because they don't have that defensive system in place. That said, their defensive core, we just mentioned, Garth, is banged up to high hell. And that you, the, and Georgiev's still getting it done right now. Yeah, like I said, when I took a deep dive into the abs to discuss for the show tonight, I was fully expecting the goaltending to maybe not be, you know, like a huge problem, but not up to par at least, or, you know, kind of run of the mill. But like you said, you just went over all the, the numbers there. It, it, it's overachieving, honestly. Uh, Gorgiev, first time being a starter carrying the load for an NHL team, and he's playing absolutely phenomenal for them. And then, like you said, Francois, you know, even when it, despite the two and five record, you know, those those are numbers are nothing to shake your head at. So it's not like he's coming in and just, you know, completely costing the team, um, whether or not it has to do with how good the, the team in front of him is, you know, that will have to remain to be seen, especially come uh, playoff. Should they make it, they'll be tested a lot more then and see what these guys are really capable of. But. You know, definitely was shocked to see how good the goaltending was, especially given the injuries on the defensive side. I think they're playing overall good defense, but not to the level that they could be playing if they were actually healthy. Yeah, no, I agree. And just uh, first of all, before we get any further, Gar, because I do have more to say on the abs, um, we got a lot of people watching tonight. Um, so real quick, if you guys are watching have not yet, uh, make sure to leave a like on the show. Not because we're like beggars or anything like that, but because Facebook's algorithm looks at the number of likes a video has. And the more it has, it actually shares it around. So if you do leave a like, it will help share our show around, and that would be great, and we'd really appreciate it. But, um, yeah, no, I think Jorge has been great, Garth. And to just kind of put how great he's been in the context a bit, uh, Igor Shostakhin's, uh goals saved above average last season, Garth, was league leading, which was a big reason why I won the Vesna. This season, his uh, goals saved above average is 3.4, which is pretty good. Georgiev's, by comparison, is 8.2 which is more than double. And <laughs> look, I think Igor is a top two goalie in the league, definitely. And a guy that, you know, we've seen for definitely a lot of last year and a bit of this year stands on his head, but Georgia has been doing the same thing, which is very impressive. Um, so I hope he keeps it up and really rooting for him. Actually. Um, he's still actually a pretty young guy guard. I think since he was on the Rangers for about five years, you know, we get the feeling that this is a guy that's 29 or 30 years old, you know, he's, his past years are past him, but goalies can play at an elite level well into their mid-30s. And he's still only 26, guard. He turns 27 in February. He's way younger than I thought he was. So, look, I don't know if if um, if he's going to stay there for a few years or if the abs are just going to do what they usually do. And, you know, once they think he's given them his best, you know, send him somewhere else to get another guy in there. But, um Hey, man, I can't knock him at all. You know, I can't just say, oh, he's on a great team or whatnot. No, their team is banged up a high hell, and he's been fantastic. So um, really impressed by what he's been doing so far. And our good buddy Tom Scavetta, our resident Rangers fan, agrees, says, I am here to tell you that Georgiev is superb. 
And yeah, uh, I've definitely hey, hit the lotto there with that one. Hey, that trade is looking much better for the, you know, I remember when, what was it? A third and range fans were like, Oh, we absolutely robbed the abs. And look, yep. it was really good, good value <laughs> for a backup, but you know, um, if the abs had to give up a third for a guy that's playing that great, they'll take that as well. So looking like a really good trade for both sides at this point, actually. Tom saying a big game tonight, big game. Yep, absolutely. Uh, the Rangers need to keep winning. Um, they play the Golden Knights tomorrow as well, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, our buddy buddy David Dunphy is in here as well. What's up, Dave? Can this here, – here he is. Here's Mikey Bradley, Mikey Mickey Mouse Bradley saying, can the Sabres please get a competent goalie? Anderson can't play 40-plus games. I remember telling Mikey in the offseason that the Sabres needed to pursue a goalie. This is the thing with them. Ever since Ryan Miller left, they just have had no consistent goal. It's always been, you know, two guys every year that just cannot get it done. And then, you know, it, it, this cycle continues year after year. Look, I love Craig Anderson. He's a great guy. He beat cancer. He's an American. But the guy's also like 48 years old. Like, you know, he can't be your starter, like Mike says, for most of the season. Uh, Lek or Yuko Yuko Pekka Lekinen. I think that Lukinen, that's his yeah. name. You, yeah, just call him that. That's that's a lot easier to say. UPL. Um, I think he has a lot of potential, but he's still a really young guy. Thrusting him into that Sabres team, I think has been a disaster personally. Um, and we do need to apologize to Mikey. Ever since we were talking up the Sabres on that one show about how well they were doing, uh, they went on like an eight game <laughs> losing streak. So, you know, it is what it is. Not go, not all goalies can play at an elite level into their 30s. That's true, but a good amount can. I mean, Hank, Lundqvist, guys like Lundqvist, if you're Flurry, if you're really good goalie, Lundqvist, Carey, one of Vesna, Carey Price. Obviously, these are top level guys, but um, look, if he keeps playing like he, he is playing um, for several years, we'll see. It's definitely not easy to do. Yeah, uh, this one's got to hurt, Mikey, because Linus Olmark has been on an absolute tear for the Boston Bruins and a really big part of why they've been off to such a good start. Yeah, no, definitely. I think everyone, us included, was kind of expecting Swayman to be that guy. He's a younger guy, but Omar got his chance and uh, he's been ridiculous so far. Definitely a big reason the Bruins are leading the Atlantic and the Sabres did let him walk. So now that said, obviously being on the Bruins, it's probably a lot easier to be do well than on the Sabres, but still, Oldest player in the league on the youngest team. Yeah, good old Craig. Second in the league in scoring, though. Youngest team can't wait for the future. They have a great future. Uh, Dylan Cousins, Garth, has been going off lately. Obviously, Tage Thompson is still there. Darlene, you know, they have a young core, but clearly they're still a few years away. Um, but enough about the Sabres, Garth. Uh, moving on from this Avs topic, we're going to move on to a topic that I know you really want to talk about. Like I said, this happened when we were doing our other podcast, Sweet Tea, which is about college football. And you were trying to keep it low key because we we're on topic, whatnot. We had a guest and my uncle, great guest, by the way, phenomenal guy. Oh, Where's a fedora on the freaking show as a guest? What a legend. But Steven Stamkos recording his 1,000th career point, all with the lightning, by the way, guard, against the Philadelphia Flyers, which I obviously appreciate as well, assisting a Nick Goat Paul goal uh, in a four to one win. Stamkos is coming off a career season last year, Garth, where he had 106 points in 81 games, 42 goals as well. 106, like I said, is a career high, even better than his 60-goal season in 2011-12, where he had 97 total points. Um, he is the 95th player ever to record 1,000 career points, the 14th first overall pick, and get this, Garth, this is the one that surprised me. 
first lightning player ever to yep. record a thousand career points. Now yep. I had to, look, I, when I first read this, I was shocked because I was like, what about Marty St. Louis? But I yep. went to look it up, Garth. He had 953. Yeah. He, he actually, he surpassed him right at the, the tail end of last season for a uh, franchise leader in points. Now, obviously Vinny might've been able to do it if Vinny. he played there a little bit longer, but um, you know, <laughs> this brings up the question guard. Now, you know, certainly I think there's, there's probably more talented players. I think Kucherov is generational. Um, Stamkos is a guy that gets a bit overlooked. But, you know, like I said, first Lightning player ever to reach 1,000 points. You know, we have to start thinking, and, and I'll throw this to you because you're going to have a lot to say about this. Is Steven Stamkos the greatest Lightning player of all time? And not just to expand on that. What's his legacy as an NHL player? Obviously, I think he's one of the best goal scorers ever. But, you know, I think breaking through winning those Stanley Cups was big for his legacy as well. But, you know, I'll throw this to you, Garth. What are your thoughts on the legacy of Steven Stamkos, not just as a Lightning player, but overall as well? Yeah. So, as you know, you know, I probably my favorite Lightning player. Um, not really quite old enough to have appreciated Martin St. Louis and Vinny LeCavier. Uh, the way I wish I could have have I have gone back obviously and watched a lot of their stuff. Absolutely phenomenal players, uh, huge part in getting the franchise up and running and winning that first Stanley Cup for us. Uh, I know that Stamkos has said many times that Martin St. Louis was a huge part in developing him early on in his days there in Tampa. He's got nothing but the most respect for that guy. Um, you know, it, it, it's really tough. And actually, me and some Lightning uh, fellow fans the other day had this conversation. I think that when it all is said and done, uh, Kucherov will probably break all of his records. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe not goals, but definitely like total points, assists, because that guy is an absolute point machine. You know, when you're career averaging almost uh, two points per game, that's absolutely insane. Um, but, you know... I think that at least as of right now, I think you probably got to give it to Steven Stamkos. Um, and, and the reason why isn't just the accolades for me. I think that he's probably the greatest pure goal scorer that we've ever had. Um, mm -hmm. You know, just think about how few players in the NHL have scored 60 goals in like the past decade, 15 years, whatever. Um, it's a very, very short list. He's on there. But I think what makes him such a special player is how he, you know, has developed throughout his career. He came in and played right away, was a goal-scoring machine. You know, he was kind of that guy on a nightly basis that had to carry the load, you know, score a bunch of points, score a bunch of goals to keep this team kind of uh, headed in the right direction in contention. And then, you know, as he got older, he ran into some injuries. There was that whole thing where a lot of people thought he might be leaving in the offseason to go to Toronto. Thankfully, he never did. Uh, or we wouldn't even be talking about as far as the franchise side of thing goes uh, tonight because there's no way he would have surpassed uh, everybody. But um, now he's kind of just like that that leader do-it-all guy. You know, he's played center for us. He's played left winger. He's been shuffled around all the lines. He hasn't just played on the top line in recent years. Um, we saw him fight Laffy last year in the playoffs. You know, really physical guy. Just I could go on and on it all night about this guy. Um, and it's much more than just him being a talented, skilled player with these, you know, great stats that we want to 
point out and talk about. Um, so I think he's a sure fire hall of famer. You know, is he the best Tampa Bay lightning player ever? You know, that's always up for debate. Like I said, I think I give him the edge there, uh, for now. Um, but you know, definitely my idol when it comes to hockey and, you know, there's very, very few players in the NHL right now that have a thousand points with the same franchise. And when you look at the list, it's guys who are absolute legends, guys, you know, there for your Pittsburgh Penguins and Sidney Crosby, Malkin, Ovechkin, um, Ovechkin, Anzi Kopitar, a guy who probably doesn't get as much mm-hmm. love as he appreciates being out there in a smaller. Um, Patrick you know, Kane. Patrick Kane. I believe Bergeron. He spent his whole career with the Bruins, if yep. I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, so it's just guys, when you look at that list, you're like, yeah, these are like, the dudes of our lifetime watching hockey, absolutely phenomenal players, class act, uh, captain material through and through on and off the ice. Um, you know, just hats off. I I'm really grateful and appreciative as a sport fan mm-hmm. that I get to witness, uh, Steven Stamkos and, you know, who knows before all is said and done, he very well could have another ring or two because he has not slowed down at all. Like you said, no, 102 points last season, He's been playing phenomenal so far this season, so I think he's still got a lot of gas left in the tank, and the team around him is still very good and capable of competing. So we'll have to have to wait and see on that one. But yeah, you know, nothing but a huge round of applause for my guy Steven Stamkos. Yeah, I have a I have a lot to say about this. I'm glad you brought up the Kucherov point because that was what I was going to ask you next. Um, if you think Kucherov can beat it, uh, beat his records, and to me, in my opinion. Obviously, as it stands right now, these are two guys. Stamkos is still 32. Cooch is still 29. They still, you know, if they're lucky, they, they still have another decade potentially in their career. We don't know how long their primes will be, and, you know, it's really hard to predict. But assuming there isn't a major drop-off for a couple of years and they're going to keep playing an elite level, um, I think there's arguments for both. I'll start with Stamkos. First of all, I think Stamkos... When we're talking about legacy, it doesn't just mean a best talented player. It means what you meant to that franchise. From that standpoint, I think Stamkos means a bit more because when Kucherov came in the team, they were already a pretty solid team. They've only missed the playoffs, I believe, once since Kucherov has been there. Um, When Stamkos was drafted there, they were drafted number one for a reason. That team was terrible. St. Louis and Vinny, guys like that, Dwayne Rolison, whatever you want, whoever it was, uh, that team was really aging. And guys like Stamkos and Hedman were the guys that actually started to turn the team around. They made the conference finals in 2011. Obviously, they lost to the Bruins in like a one nothing game, something like that. And the Bruins went on to win the Stanley Cup. Um, that was a lot of Stamkos. Kucherov had nothing to do with that. Stamkos was the guy that really started to get the Lightning back on the right track. Obviously, the stats are great. Um, their point-per-game levels are at least similar. Stamkos has 1,001 in 946, which is, what is that, 55 games less. Um, and Kucherov is 652 and 586, which is 66. So it's pretty close. It's not like Kucherov is on pace to absolutely outblitz him. Um, it's very even pace. Uh, Stamkos is a way better goal scorer. Statistically, he's going to reach 500 goals very soon. He's at 494. Um, Kucherov, by the time he reaches 500, he's going to have about 1,200 games played, whereas Kucher, uh, Stamkos is going to have it in less than 1,000. Um, now, where I think Kucherov edges it out, and I think he will probably break all the records and at some point probably be the greatest Lightning player of all time, Garth. A um, couple things. 
Number one, he's won a Hart Trophy, which Stamkos has never had as league MVP. Uh, he's won a Art Ross in that same season, that year where he had like 128 points, something like that. Um, where the Lightning, had, the Lightning had that ridiculous season. Um, number two, um, first of all, playoffs. He is absolutely insane, insane. in the playoffs. Card. 154, 154 points in 136 games, uh, 52 goals. Um, he's had a 34-point season in the playoffs, 32, 27, 22, 19, 17. That's all ridiculous. When you compare it to Stamkos, 91 points in 117 games uh, is definitely uh, a, a worse, uh, much lower mark, if you will. Now, I would say, obviously, Stamkos is a center. Kutrob is a winger. The center is a more important position than a winger is. A winger is a dependent position. You could argue if Kutrob was on a different team, he wouldn't have his, you know, live stats as he was if he was, wasn't always playing behind uh, next to guys like Stan Coaster Point or all the other great centers they've had over the years. Um, but I agree with you. I think eventually Kutrov probably will break all his records and probably be the greatest player of all time. But I think with Stan Coaster's resurgence, the past past year especially, because there was a point guard where it looked like Stan Coaster was kind of plateauing. He was like – he was still good, but he was like, you know, low to mid eighties points guy, that superstar guy that we, you know, as a final league guy from the media, honestly. Yeah, and the injuries that, that couldn't one, get it done in the playoffs, you know, couldn't get it done in the playoffs. Kind of the way down, you know, can't stay in, healthy. Injury prone as well. And then yep. he had that he had that one game in the twenty twenty finals where he came back and scored on the first shift. And ever since then, I don't know what it was. Maybe something clicked in his head. He got this confidence back. Ever since I know then, what it looked, was, Noah. He yeah. actually said what it was. Yeah. A guy was by it? the name of Tom Brady came to the Tampa Bay area that offseason. And no, this isn't me just making a joke, guys. Steven Stamkos actually made it a point to reach out to him and to sit down and just have like a one-on-one -on -one conversation about you know, winning championships, succeeding in the postseason, being a leader for your team. And he said that that really impacted him. Like Tom Brady, you know, shared a lot of good things with him. Yeah, I mean, Stamkos is back, man. Career high last season. And like I said, it looked like he was plateauing for a bit. You know, low to mid-80s points, guys still solid, but not elite by any means. But uh, now nah, he's back, man. He's elite, and he's still getting it done. So he keeps playing like that. Um I think it'll be very close. I will say that I, you know, whereas I was kind of starting to think a few years ago, Kutrab would just probably pass him and then kind of extend that gap. And at the end, it might not really be that close. Now I'm kind of like Kutrab might beat him, but it's going to be very close. It's going to be, and probably where you could make a case for both guys and have legitimate arguments um, because Stamkos is back and um, really happy to see it because I told you, Garth, this is one of my favorite players in the NHL. I never said that. Just to make you feel good, I felt that I, I, I said that before you were even into hockey at all. Um, I, I think one of the, the main reasons that makes Steven Stamkos such a likable guy, easy to root for, is he's extremely humble, really down to earth. And you don't ever see him like, you know, making dirty plays, being in the spotlight for bad reasons, uh, you know, trash talking with the media or other players. You know, he's just out there putting it all on the ice night in, night out. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, hard to say a bad word about him at all. So 
Um, but to answer this question, my opinion, as at least as of right now, yes, I think he's the greatest Lightning player of all time. Kucherov could beat him, but I think it, it'll definitely be close, whereas as if you asked me a few years ago, I wouldn't have said that. And NHL legacy, um, a 1,000 points with the same team, like Art said, is nothing to scoff at. He's easily going to pass 500 goals, maybe even get to 600, which means he's one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. Um, he's a bona fide, undisputed, in my opinion, Hall of Famer. Um, he's got that playoff monkey off his back now, uh, multiple Stanley Cup winner. He's a legend. Um, that's all there is to it, I think. Uh, racing, what is going on in Vancouver? <laughs> Sounds like a fire sale is about to happen. I'll be honest with you, Ray. I have no clue. This is one. Of I don't even think Vancouver knows what's going on in Vancouver. <laughs> this is the thing with them, Garth. Like It seems like one season they're right outside the playoffs and they miss it. The next they're terrible, rinse and repeat. And they're right outside the playoffs last season. And what's happened this year, they're terrible again. It makes absolutely no sense. Uh, Ray saying Kucherov's great when he's not an LTIR. Well, yeah. hey, that was one season. <laughs> All right, it is what it is. Now we're going to move on to this topic, which is unfortunately uh, yeah. a bit more serious. Yeah. Um, I we got to talk about this because uh, I was saying the resident Pins fan, uh, Chris Letang, unfortunately suffered a stroke last week, which uh, is unfortunate. He has a history of it. He had one back in 2014, so the fact that it was so far spread out between them is concerning to me. And look, Garth, this is no secret to you. Um, I am not a fan personally as a player of Crystal Tang anymore. I've always said I believe he's a legend of this franchise. Uh, he gave me one of the greatest memories in my hockey life with a game-winning goal against the Sharks to win the Stanley Cup in 2016. This is a guy, his jersey number will be retired in the Raptors whatnot. Probably the best defense we've ever had. But I've always said I think he's past it. I think his defense is rapidly in decline, and I hated the contract. However, and this is the most important part, none of that matters when we're talking about something like this because this is bigger than sports. You know, you can you can dislike or love Crystal Tang all you want, but the fact is uh, this is a very serious matter, um, and I wish him all the best. I hope he recovers as soon as possible, and I will say, Garth, um, I think just today actually, or maybe late, very late yesterday, I saw that he was um, actually back skating again already, so that's good news to see. But, um, yeah, very serious. I uh, wish him all the best. Um, you know, you know, sports opinions go out the window whether you like the guy as a player or not. Uh, this is something that has to be taken very seriously. Yeah, we talked about it in depth in our group chat the other day when the news first came out. Uh, people have, you know, very mixed opinions on it, and I, I do get it. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, at first glance, you know, they might say stuff like, you know, maybe he should consider hanging it up, not playing hockey again, but. The issue with it is that it's not a hockey-related issue. It's not like, you know, an injury where you get hit and tear a muscle in your leg, and obviously getting hit in the hockey game is 110% what caused the issue. It's also the second one that he's had. Um, and, you know, I mentioned it in the group chat as well, hockey players are, like, probably the toughest SOBs I've ever come across in my life watching sports, you know, regular season. Yes, they do sit some things out. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, these guys are playing through injuries, especially if it's postseason. You know, you literally have to, like, tape them to the wall or they're going to be out there on the ice. Um, you know, there's just so much passion for the sport, so much toughness and grit in these guys that, you know, unless the medical staff literally told them, hey, man, you can never play hockey again. 
this guy's going to be out there on the ice and that's what he wants to do. And if that's what he wants to do, then all the power in him, who am I to tell that guy that, Hey, you know, don't go out there and do what you love to do. That's not me. I don't think anybody should really be like that, quite frankly. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I wish him nothing but the best. Hopefully it's not a uh, issue that he has to deal with again. But me personally, um, I do think that it's probably something that he's kind of genetically uh, dispositioned towards. Where if you look up his family tree, there's probably a history of, you know, strokes, unfortunately, in his family. Uh, but wish him nothing the best. Hope he doesn't have to deal with it again. But, you know, who knows? He, it could have a history of this. But as far as playing hockey, you know, if he's healthy, if he can physically do it, then let him do it. Roy's saying there's some teams that could really use Brock Besser. Absolutely very gifted Absolutely. goal scorer. Um, Tom is back. Let's go. Um, there's Tom. <laughs> Ray saying, we see other leagues doing what they can to protect the players. The NHL really dropped the ball here. How do you let him return after the first one? Um, see, this is really a gray area for me. I'm not too sure how I feel about this because, in my opinion, like you said, Garth, yes, there are moments where I believe the NHL, kind of like the NFL with concussions or whatnot, should step in and do what's best for a player and try to protect their health. However, there's a couple important things to keep in mind. Obviously, like you said, uh, the individual should still have the right to do what they want with their body. Whether that's right for not, or not, it, for, from someone else's perspective, quite frankly, I don't think matters. Uh, if that person wants to go out and you know, potentially get themselves killed and <laughs> turn their brain to Swiss cheese, they have the individual right to do that, in my opinion. Now, there's something else important to keep in mind. Um, I'm not a doctor or anything, but I have studied biology before, before I decided that that career path really sucks. And I went down a different route, but I do know a bit about um, strokes and brain injuries and stuff like that. It's genetic. Um, it doesn't matter how, you know, if Chris Letang never played hockey, if he never plays hockey again, he still would be prone to strokes. He could retire tomorrow and have a stroke 10 years down the line again. It's very unpredictable. The fact that these were almost nine years apart is evidence to that. I don't know if it's because he's a hockey player. I think it's just because it runs in his family. He got it from someone else. And look, unfortunately, he's probably going to have to deal with the rest of his life. Now, luckily, clearly it, it wasn't too severe because he's already back skating. Um, he was posting or he was posting quotes on the day it happened that says, hey, I'm fine. I know my body better than anybody, and I'm ready to rehab and come back soon. So um, we'll see what happens. Do I think this means Chris Letang is never going to play again? Absolutely not. I think as soon as he's ready to go, he'll want to come back. And, look, that's his decision, and I would respect that. Other people can say that's dumb, and they have the right to that opinion. But um, ultimately, it's up to him to have the final say because it's his body, uh, his decision. So we'll, we'll see what he does. Uh, Mike coming in with a banger of a comment here. Stammer may be playing the best hockey of his career. There was a time when we all wondered if he could still be an elite player. As long as he continues staying that way, it's going to be fun seeing him climb up the rankings and reach major milestones before his inevitable Hall of Fame induction. Mike just kind of dropping the mic there, kind of saying a, you know, what I was saying a, a few minutes ago, Garth, that you know, it looked like he was leveling out a bit, not an elite player anymore, but still solid, but Career high last season could potentially break it this year as well. He's playing ridiculous so far. Yeah, absolutely. I really hope he can reach that 600 goal uh, milestone before all is said and done. 
I think he will. But he's only six away from 500. He's still only 32. I think 600 would be easy. You never know, Garth. If he plays long enough and he keeps playing like this, 700 wouldn't be impossible either. You know, never know. We'll see I what happens. One timer from the left faceoff circle. Oh, dude. Him and St- him and Ovechkin with that shot from that point is just basically unstoppable. It's ridiculous. But speaking of great players, Garth, last but not least, our favorite segment of the show. We're going to talk about our teams of the week for week eight. Uh, we did have a show off last week, so we did not do any for week seven. Um, but we're back with, with it for week eight. Our last one was the Thanksgiving special one, Garth. And uh, these are really interesting players as well. A couple of new faces that have been on before and a couple of new guys as well. So we'll start with yours, Garth. We'll go ahead and put it up real quick. Uh, let me go ahead and hide this stuff. Um, so you have Jason Robertson, Leon Dreisaitl, Kasperi Kapanen, good old Penguins player, Travis Sanheim from the Flyers, Roman Yossi, and Andre Vasilevsky as your goalie. Honorable mentions, you have Tage Thompson from the Sabres, Shea Theodore from the Golden Knights, and Piotr Kochetskov from the Arizona Coyotes. Garth, go ahead and take it away. What's your reasoning behind your Team of the Week picks? Yeah, so I want to start off by saying that this week, I feel like every week this list is tough to make, but this week might have been uh, the hardest, especially for the center position. Like it seems like every single center that you think of that's a good, you know, top line type center in the NHL is playing out of their minds to start the season. Um, but first and foremost, up there on the top left, Jason Robertson, Dallas Stars. This dude, guys, is absolutely phenomenal. What he's been doing last year and now the beginning of this season, goal scoring machine. Uh, he's on pace for 50 plus goals if he can keep up this rate of scoring that he's been at, which is absolutely insane. Really cool story as well. Uh, He is Filipino, born and raised in Canada. So, you know, he's kind of a uh, trailblazer, I guess is the best word to use with what he's doing um, there in Dallas and and for the NHL as a whole. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, you know, I just – I think this one was a little bit of bias in me just saying, you know, this is a player that – I absolutely love. He doesn't get enough attention, enough respect, uh, you know, compliment, spotlight, whatever you want to say for what he's able to do there in Edmonton because he does play uh, behind a guy in Connor McDavid who just, you know, gets all the spotlight, rightfully so, nothing wrong with it. Um, You know, he was absolutely phenomenal. Four goals, five assists, nine points total in four games played. So that's just barely over two points per game. So, you know, I just could not leave him off of this list because of that over there at right wing. Like you said, a Pittsburgh Penguin in Kapanen. Uh, The reason I put him on here is because usually when you think about the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, you think of guys like Crosby, uh, Malkin, Gensel, Rust, as these guys who kind of lead the way scoring, but uh, he had five points, four goals, most importantly, one assist and three games played. So he was just under two points per game in the Mm -hmm. span of last week, a plus minus of plus two. And he is a younger guy, 26 years old. And like I said, a guy who doesn't get as much love as some of those big names on the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, you know, I felt like giving him a little bit of recognition here on the show this week. Uh, so moving on to the defensive core, uh, not going to lie, 
having to put a Philadelphia Flyer on my list for, I believe, the second time this season. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely hurt a little bit, but the fact that, you know, he led the way in scoring, you know, he was tied with Darlene, uh, but he has already been on my list once, so that played a factor. The other factor was Darlene did not have a single goal, although he did have five assists. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Sandheim was able to have two goals, three assists for the same amount of points, plus minus of four, uh, which was like second best in terms of defensemen that I personally was looking at for this list. So he went ahead and got the nod there. Uh, Roman Yossi, this guy just, you know, he's 32, just like Steven Stamkos. He ages like fine wine. It seems like every season we're talking about how good this guy is. He's in the conversation for a Norris trophy. Uh, getting it done on both sides of the ice, especially on the offensive end. Two goals, two assists, four points, plus minus of five, uh, which was the best out of any defenseman that I looked at. So obviously getting it done on both ends of the ice. Contributing on the power play uh, just could not leave him off. And then last but not least, this one probably was a little bit of bias when I do look back at it. Kachekov had an absolutely phenomenal week. Uh, but I had to show some love to my guy, Andre Vasilevsky, Noah. Um, he has played pretty darn well this last stretch. I believe he's like five and two in his last seven. Those only losses coming to a red hot Boston Bruins team that he by no means, you know, caused us to lose those games. And he started the season off slow, but he looks like he's starting to catch heat. So I had to give him a shout out. Honorable mentions, Tage Thompson all season long has been absolutely phenomenal for the Buffalo Sabres. Scoring machine, really showing that he can be like a top-tier, uh, top-line center in the NHL. Uh, Shea Theodore, a big part on the defensive side of things, why the Vegas Golden Knights are off to such a hot start. And then, as I said, Kachekov, absolutely phenomenal week for him. He probably had the pure best stats of any goalie that I looked at. Uh, mm -hmm. But like I said, I had to give a little bit of a shout-out to my guy Vasilevsky. But, you know, nonetheless, huge round of applause pat on the back to him. And that uh, that will wrap it up for my list, guys. Yeah, no, really solid picks here. I, I do think it's close between Vasilevsky and Kocheskov. Obviously, uh, Piotr has been great for the Hurricanes this season. Um, big reason why they're still very competitive in that Metro division. It's always tough to go against Vasi, though. You know, in my opinion, still the best goalie in the NHL. The track record. Jonathan Quick did almost make my list, though. No, I won't lie. Oh yeah, with with that with that five oh five goals against the average. Yeah, he was in contention for sure. But it's always hard to go against Vassy. Uh, Robertson's a stud guard. You know, I do think it's refreshing to see that in a time and place where we see so many guys that get that contract and then they just kind of milk it the rest of their career and never play the same again. Well, Jason Robertson, after he got that four-year contract in the offseason, he basically said, okay, thanks for the faith. Watch this. Because he has 23 goals guard in 25 games played. Almost goal per game. I mean, if he keeps this up, he's going to score 70 goals. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, obviously. I mean, at this point, uh, 60 goals and a potential Maurice Richard trophy, definitely very possible. He's been a top, I'd say top three. I think other than McDavid and Dreisaitl, I'd say he's probably been the best player in the NHL so far this season. Dreisaitl speaks for itself. Like I just said, he's been absolutely remarkable the whole year. He's been on our list before multiple times. One of the league leaders in points in pretty much every category. Um, one thing I really like about Dreisaitl as well, Garth, that he he definitely has a major edge over McDavid in uh, the face-off dot. Face-off um, circle. 
Yep. Dreisaitl was 60% last week, whereas McDavid was 38.6%. So Dreisaitl is no slouch on the face-up dot as well. Kapanen, uh, he had a hat trick against the Blues, which is great. Uh, Kapanen's kind of a weird guy. First of all, he was drafted by the Penguins, actually. But then he was traded to the Maple Leafs in the Phil Kessel trade. And then he was traded back to us multiple years later. And uh, he's actually, you know, carving out a decent spot now as kind of a, you know, one of those depth forward guys, secondary scoring. And he's been great at that. Sandheim, like you said, I never thought there'd be another flyer on the list at all after we had that one guy week one. I think it was Provorov, if I remember right. But, uh, yeah, he had a great week as well. Roman Yossi's the late defenseman. Not much to say there. And Thompson's been great. Theodore was really good as well. So, you know, really solid choices. But moving on to mine. Um, it's kind of the same as it's always been Garth, a little bit of similarity, but a little bit of difference as well between our lists. So I'll go ahead and put mine up. Um, I went the boring route. I did put both McDavid and Dryson on this list, Garth. Both had nine points in four games, although McDavid did have five goals compared to four assists, or excuse me, four goals for Dryson. But the stats are basically even. They're both plus twos. Uh, the only major difference is that, like I said, the face-off Dryson's is way higher. But both their shooting percentages are off the charts in the low to mid-30% ranges as well. So they're killing it. I went with Dylan Cousins. Now, I know you went with Thompson, but I gave it to Cousins uh, just because he had eight points in three games, whereas Tage only had six in three games. Uh, Cousins was also a plus two. Uh, three goals in three games as well as a really solid rate. Um, so, you know, he, he just had a phenomenal week. Um, honestly, I don't usually just go with the top three point-getting guys for fours each week. But I thought these guys were just a little bit ahead of everybody else. I also considered Rupe Hints, who had six points in two games. Yes, and obviously I Robinson. almost consider him as well. Consider those two Dallas guys as well. They were right there, but I just edged it out uh, to the other three just based on the fact that they played more, played an extra game and got uh, two and three more points respectively. So I ended up going with those guys. Darlene as well. Uh, this guy has gone from being just a pretty solid young defenseman to being an elite guard. Uh, five points in three games to the last week. Unfortunately, he wasn't even player because the Sabres are absolutely terrible, but I don't hold that against him. Um, I think this guy is looking like an absolute superstar. He's really starting to develop, um, which is great to see. And then Yossi was pretty obvious. Four goals in three games, a plus five. I mean, this guy's a stud. There's not much that needs to be said. Uh, a reason I gave it to him over Sanheim, who was an honorable mention, um, Yossi had 12 blocks over the past week, which was comfortably – uh, leading all defensemen, I believe, which is absolutely ridiculous. Or it was definitely, I think, top three or top five. He was right up there. And then obviously the other guys that were up there were top six guys who basically that's, you know, all they can do. But the fact that Yossi's so great offensively and he still lays his body on the line to block shots, uh, I ended up giving him the edge. And Connor Hellebuck, I ended up giving Hellebuck it over Vasilevsky because while Vasilevsky did play an extra game, uh, Hellbook was actually insane in two games. He had a 971 save percentage. He had a shutout as well, and he only allowed two goals. I believe for Vasilevsky and Hellbook to have the exact same stats, if he played a third game, Garth Hellbook would have to give up four goals on 16 shots or something like that. So I ended up giving it to Hellbook in a, in a close one, just based on pure dominance over two games. But I don't mention Jacob, uh, Jason Robertson, like I said, absolute goal scoring machine. Sandheim was right there. I really considered putting him in over Darlene, but maybe a little bit of bias. Um, I think Darlene is a better player. He's just on a team that is really crap right now. Whereas the Flyers, I don't think they're great either, but they're still doing okay at least. But the Sabres are in free fall, so I ended up giving it to Darlene. Very close. Yossi was my first choice. I will say that. Yossi, and then I was trying to look for a second guy. And obviously, honorable mention, 
Vasilevsky, who, like I said, I think is still the best player in the NHL, but I just gave it in a tight one to Halibut for this week. So that will do it for our teams of the week, and that will do it for another episode of Pucking Around. A great show once again, Garth. Real quick before we do kind of wrap it up tonight here, do you have anything you want to say before we get off? Uh, just as always, a huge thank you to everybody that tuned in tonight. Absolutely blew up the comment section. Um, you know, makes the show so much more enjoyable. Um, and other than that, just uh, make sure, as always, to go and check out not only our show, Pucking Around here on Review and Preview, but all the other shows uh, that we have here on the Review and Preview Sports Network, whether it be Big Blue Avenue, Four Corners, uh, the Review and Preview show itself. Um, you know, there's just a ton, a ton of fantastic content here on the page. And as much as we love to get you guys here in our show and get support from you guys for our show, uh, we want to mm-hmm. see everybody in the brand do well because they're all very hardworking individuals who deserve the love and support. And we just want to see the whole page as a whole grow so that we can reach more and more people um, and hopefully impact them in a positive way while bringing them the latest uh, and from our mouse, the best sports news possible. Um, so huge, huge thank you guys to everybody that tuned in tonight. I'm very excited to get back here uh, next week and talk some more hockey next Tuesday night on Pucking Around. Yeah, no, absolutely. Make sure to check out the rest of the review and preview site. We got, like Guard said, four corners, 7 p.m. Eastern for all your wrestling stuff. We got review and preview, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays for mainly football this time of season, but just kind of recapping the NFL and then looking ahead at games. Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern, we had Big Blue Avenue. Uh, so if you're a Giants fan, definitely make sure to tune into that. And then Friday nights, 7 p.m. Eastern, we have Out of Line, which is kind of our college football slash betting show with the absolute GOAT, Nick D, oh, Nick D. D Martino. Yep, so make sure to stick a, stick around for that. And also, if you guys are into college football that much, Garth and I have another show over on the Sweet Tea, uh, or excuse me, the Sports Box Network called Sweet Tea, which is about college football. We have a lot to discuss after the, the conference championship weekend. Uh, but Tom's saying, great show, fellas. Thank you very Thank much, you, my sir. friend. But until next time, that is going to do it for Pucking Around here on the Rebian Preview Sports Network. From myself, No Dog Dibler, and my co-host and good buddy, Gar Charger Patrick, uh, have a good one. Hope your teams do well. But until then, keep pucking around. We'll see you next time.